If you've ever been interested in or are currently interested in going to run train in Kenya, then this is a good podcast episode for you to listen to because I'm going to talk about everything there is to know about run training in Kenya. So from topics such as uh, the best places to stay, uh, for whichever budget that you have, uh, how to get around within Kenya, how to find running groups to train with, and so on. Before I do so, I should introduce myself. It's Matt here. I'm a co-founder of Sweat Elite, and I've been uh, very fortunate to have had the opportunity to go to Kenya twice in the last uh, nine months to train and do some research on elite athlete training in Kenya. If you've been following Sweat Elite for some time, you would have seen uh, either the editions or articles about the training of David Radisha. I spent a month training alongside that group and then uh, a little bit over a month training alongside Elliot Kipchoge's group. So um, my experiences in both of those two uh, months, roughly, um, I, I've learned a lot about training in Kenya. Uh, I've asked a lot of um, very helpful local uh, runners about uh, basically everything there is to do with training in Kenya, um, and I'd like to share a lot of information on this podcast. Uh, so we've had a lot of questions come our way through social media channels and through email uh, about training in Kenya, and I think the best way to structure this episode would be to answer the questions because they would be um, all the questions we've had cover basically all the topics I would have spoken about anyway. So. The questions range from, uh, is training in Kenya dangerous at all? Uh, where is the best places to stay? Uh, where is the best uh, town to go to if you want to meet elite athletes and, tra and train in groups? Um, how do you get around? Uh, what's the best time of year to go? How much should I budget for in terms of every day or week? Uh, what's the food like? Is it hard to combine a safari? So they're the questions I'm going to answer in this podcast uh, one by one. The question we get asked the most is, is Kenya is training in Kenya dangerous at all? Is it safe? Now, you could Google this question, but I actually recommend not doing so because if you do, you will find that a lot of information online does indicate that it can be quite dangerous in Kenya. And I do not believe this to be uh, true, especially outside of Nairobi. When it comes to Nairobi, uh, which, by the way, is not anywhere near the running hubs or the running towns. I'm not very sure about Nairobi. I think it has the same level of crime as you would expect from every any other African city. Um, it probably does have basic um, theft. Um, it probably does have the occasional mugging happen, which to be honest happens in many cities around the world. Um, but outside of Nairobi, from what I have experienced in nine weeks, of time in Kenya. And uh, by the way, I know that's not much, but I've also asked many uh, locals and uh, Westerners that have based themselves in Kenya for, you know, in a combined amount of many, many years. For example, I spoke with um, a couple of New Zealand athletes that uh, have lived in Kenya for many years um, about this this uh, topic, and everyone basically says the same thing. It's not dangerous outside of Nairobi uh, really at all. You basically have to take the same safety measures as you would anywhere else. Um, local Kenyans, for the most part, um, are very, very friendly and are not out to hurt anyone at all. Um, so my answer to that question is, Nairobi, uh, I don't I don't really know, but if you're going to Kenya to run, you won't be in Nairobi anyway, other than at the airport when you first fly in, which is where everyone will fly into before you head up to the running towns. But around the running towns, Eldoret area, 
Um, Eldoret has uh, relatively low crime, um, especially during the day, so I do not believe that to be a problem at all. In the Iten area, I've only ever heard of um, one very uh, minor situation in uh, 10 years where someone was asked um, for money and was threatened, um, but for the most part, people uh, are extremely friendly there and it is very, very safe. I don't think that's anything to worry about at all. Uh, and as I said, before I came to Kenya for the first time, I, I did do a bit of Googling about this. And to be honest, I was a little bit, I was a little bit worried <laughs> because if you do, if you do Google it and um, you will find there is a lot of stories online uh, that mainly come from Nairobi and also that come from quite a while back about um, crime there. But it, it, for the most part now, it's, it's pretty clear. I also have uh, a good friend that lives in Eldoret and has done for um, almost a decade now, I think. And uh, he he basically said to me after I asked him after googling, um, he said no, it's it's completely it's 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 very safe. Um, so my answer to that question is it's not dangerous at all, especially in Iten and Eldoret area, and that is not a problem. Okay, before I go on to the next question, I think I should briefly touch on something that I um, spoke about just then, and it's uh, in, when you uh, first come into Kenya, you will ninety uh, nine. 0.5% of the time you'll fly into Nairobi, the international airport, because Eldoret, uh, which is the main town that is where all of the running towns are, basically suburbs of, is not an international airport. I think it's called the Eldoret International Airport, it could be, but it, 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 you can't fly into Eldoret from Europe, for example, or uh, the US or Asia, you'll fly into Nairobi. And from Nairobi, you will make your way up to Eldoret. Uh, by either uh, Matatu, which is a minibus, or by plane. I've done both, and I recommend paying extra for the flight. The minibus Matatu goes from the center of Nairobi, so I did spend a couple of hours in Nairobi during the day, and it took quite a while, firstly, to get from Nairobi airport to the center of town. There was very bad traffic, and then, even though the Matatu... Sorry, when I say Mentatu, that's 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 basically a minibus. That's what they're called in Kenya. Um, the cost of the Matatu from Nairobi Center to Eldoret was, from memory, eight or ten US dollars equivalent in Kenyan shillings. And even though the map will show you that it's about three hundred and fifty kilometers to Eldoret, it took us close to ten hours. Um, if you drove in a car, uh, it would probably take closer to six, five to seven, I would say. Um, the roads are much slower than you would uh, be experiencing in your home country or in most other countries outside of Africa. Um, but uh, the reason why the Matatu takes so much longer is because they don't run on a schedule there, the buses. They wait until they're full and then they go. And there's a number of stops on the way to Eldoret where people will get off. Let's say the minibus has 12 seats. Um, six people will get off the bus and then they'll wait for the, the six more people to fill up the bus before they go again. And it, it, at one stop, uh, when I was on the Matatu heading up to Eldoret, uh, we stopped for about two hours waiting for the bus to fill up. Um, and I think that the average time for the Matatu between those two towns is between eight to ten hours. Um, it's not bad. It's okay if you have the patience. Uh, I guess I didn't. <laughs> I was a little bit tired of it towards the end. Um, but the alternative is to pay between 40 and 60 US dollars. Sometimes it's a little more if you, if you book it very last minute, um, for a short domestic flight and that flight takes 30 to 40 minutes. 
and it's very straightforward, very easy. They normally run on time. I think they're normally, uh, you know, either running on time or they're slightly delayed 30 minutes to 60 minutes, but it's much quicker and much more comfortable. I think it's worth the extra money. Um, so then you get to Eldoret, which is, as I mentioned briefly before, it's about 350 kilometers north of Nairobi. So you want to get out of Nairobi as quickly as possible, in my opinion. I don't, uh, that is if you're going there for run training. There's, there's just not much to do in terms of run training groups or anything like that in Nairobi, from what I uh, know anyway. Once you're in Eldoret, if you come in by Matatu, you'll be in the center of town and you'll be at the bus stop. If you come in by plane, you'll be at the airport, of course, and you'll have to take a taxi or a, a motorbike ride. There are uh, It's a common way to get around in Kenya, short distances, that is, people with basically a scooter or a motorbike. Uh, and you'll have to go from the airport into town, which is about 15 minutes. A taxi will cost you between 5 to 10 US dollars, and uh, a bike ride will probably cost closer to 2 or 3. Then you're in the center of Eldoret, and Eldoret is the main town, as I said before, uh, that all of the running hubs, um, all the running hubs are basically suburbs around Eldoret area. There's quite a few, but the main two are Iten, which is the biggest one by far, and Captagat. They're the two that I have had experiences uh, in and that I will speak about. There's a couple of other ones that I haven't been to that I can't really speak about. You'll find more information online about them, but I'm going to talk more about Iten in this one, and I'll briefly touch on Captagat as well. But I think Iten is probably the best place to go. Uh, once you're in Eldoret, uh, you're about 45 uh, maybe 35 to 45 minutes drive away from Iten. You can get to Iten by Matatu again, and this is quite a, this that's the most common way to do it. That's quite a smooth ride. It costs one US dollar, and you can go from the center of Eldoret uh, out to uh, Iten, which is in a north uh, east direction. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about what's in Eldoret a little bit later on, but for now, we're making our way to Iten, and the first thing that you will see when you get to Iten are the uh, the famous gate, which is the Welcome to Iten, the Home of Champions sign, and that marks the start of Iten. That gets us onto the second question here. Where is the best place to stay? Because two of the most popular places to stay are right next to the gate, just there, at the uh, south end of Iten. Where are the best places to stay? So I think the most popular place to stay would probably be the High Altitude Training Center, Lorna Kiplagat's High Altitude Training Center. I've stayed there uh, before and I think it's quite good. It's a little bit more expensive than some of the options I'll talk about after, but I think it's worth the spend if you have the budget because of the facilities. Um, the High Altitude Training Center, if you pay to stay there, uh, the cost is between, it can be between 60 and 130 US dollars per night, depending on the time of year. Um, uh, but that includes uh, three meals per day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it also includes uh, usage of the 400 meter tartan track, which is situated about two to three kilometers away, which you can jog to for a warm up. It also includes usage of a very good gym and uh, quite a good pool as well. I think there's also a sauna from memory. I didn't use it, but I think there was one there. And there's unlimited Wi-Fi, which is also pretty hard to find in uh, Kenya outside of the cities as well. So I'd recommend staying there if you have the budget. Um, to find out how much it does cost to stay there, 
you can contact them directly through their website. The other uh, probably higher quality place to stay would be Kedio View. So I haven't stayed there, but I have. Uh, it is popular to go for a coffee or a drink or lunch there, mainly because the bar and restaurant there overlook the Rift Valley. There's an awesome view of the Rift Valley from there. Uh, Kedio View and High Altitude Training Center are pretty close to each other. They're less than one kilometer apart. Kedio View is down a dirt road, just uh, very close to the gate, uh, the Welcome to Attend gate. And uh, they also have a website that you can find costs to stay there and uh, availability and so on. In terms of alternative options, there are other smaller, much cheaper hotels that uh, most of them don't have a website at all and you won't find them online at all. Uh, they're basically you show up and check availability, so that's not ideal. There are also um, quite a few guest house options as well. Some of them do have websites and Facebook pages that you can find. They're mainly through word of mouth. We do, so Sweat Elite do offer assistance with that. We've got one very good guest house that we have a connection with that we uh, organize packages with them. That includes three meals per day at a pretty pretty good quality uh, guest house. The room, I have stayed there myself for a number of weeks in April 2017 and it was very good. Uh, the rooms were very good, very safe. Bathrooms were pretty good for Kenyan standard. The meals were excellent as well. And the costs for those are uh, around about 30 to 35 US dollars per night. Depends on the time of year. Uh, it's, it can be a little bit more, a little bit less, depending on the, the time of year. There's a peak period and, a, and an off-peak period. So if you want to do it on a lower budget, uh, we can definitely help with that. Just contact us through Facebook Messenger to... Uh, learn more about that we can talk about dates and so on those are the two cheaper options uh alternative hotels that you won't find online that's a little bit of a difficult thing and the guest houses cool on to the next question what is the best town to go to well all of the things i just mentioned there are in iten which in my opinion is the best place to go and that's where most people do go that's a an actual town some of the other places like captagat and there's a couple of other places that uh, are not so popular. They are not really even towns. I would call them more like scattered houses on a road. Uh, they're not, it's not like you can walk into a central area where people hang out and there's shops. It's not really like that. So in my opinion, Iten is definitely the best place to go. And Captagat is also pretty good. That's where Elia Kipchoge's training group are. And that's not really a town. That's, as I sort of said, it's more like a, a few houses scattered along a road that goes sort of two or three kilometers with a few uh, very small, not even supermarkets, convenience stores, I would call them. So in my opinion, it tends the place to go. How do you get around Kenya? I've already mentioned how to get to Eldoret, but when you are there in that area, Matatu is the, is the way to get between... Eldoret and Iten or Eldoret and Captagat. But when you are in those places and you want to just get short distances, the locals with their motorbikes are definitely the way to go. Uh, you can go probably up to around five kilometers with them for 50 cents. If you want to go a little bit further, they're going to probably charge you 60 or 70 cents US uh, in the equivalent of Kenyan shillings. And that's by far the easiest way to scoot around if you want to go somewhere just down the road if you don't want to walk, that is. And there's lots of them around in Eldoret, Aniten, and Captagat as well. 
they just hang out in the roads. If you see a local with a bike, it's highly likely he's uh, just waiting for someone to ask him for a ride. So that's the best way to get around. How do I meet elite athletes? Okay, so that's not so simple beforehand. It's more about turning up and finding uh, the right contacts when you're there. I guess I was lucky enough to have had some connections that helped me get to train with those guys. Um, and because I was doing a project, it was a little bit uh, different. But if you want to, for example, meet David Rodriguez's training group, the, probably the easiest way if you don't have a connection with someone there is to to turn up and, and say hello when you're there at St. Patrick's. They're normally pretty uh, welcoming to people coming just to check out the school and check out the training group. And Elite Kipchoge's group is the same, to be honest. So it's kind of crazy to, to think that just showing up and saying hi is the way to do it. But in my opinion, that is the way to do it. Unless, of course, you have a direct link contact to them that can um, arrange something. But even still, it's highly likely that their response is going to be just come and turn up whenever. Like They're, they're not going to go out of their way to arrange some meetup. Like It's just turn up to training and if they're fine with you coming to train at that point in time, then great. Uh, it's it's likely that's going to be the case. So that's my answer to how do I meet elite athletes. Um, uh, uh, to extend on that answer, uh, going down to the uh, closest dirt track, which is at Tumbach. That's a town just outside of Iten. Uh, by the way, as of this recording, Iten doesn't have a dirt track. It's being renovated, so everyone goes to Tumbach. It's a probably a 10-minute drive from Iten by bike or Matatu. If you go down there on a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Saturday morning, there'll be plenty of top runners training at that track. Um, another way that you could meet, for example, Wilson Kipsang, he owns a hotel called Kilu Hotel, Hotel Kilu, one of the two, and that's very close to the High Altitude Training Center, very close to the sign, uh, welcome to attend Home of Champions sign. Uh, if you ask any local where's Wilson Kipsang's hotel, they'll tell you where it is. Very easy to get to, and he's often there. So that's another way to meet Kipsang, and I've probably touched on all of the main, the highest level athletes there, but it's highly likely as well you'll just run into some when you're walking around. Um, so uh, yeah, it's not, a, it's not a huge place, so uh, it's, it's quite easy to, to meet some of the top athletes. What's the best time of year to go to train? Um, there is a rain period, uh, I believe it's around... May, June, I think from memory, I could be wrong there, but I don't think there is necessarily a good and bad time. Most people do go in December, January and February because it times well with indoor racing season and also it gets people ready to race cross country uh, in March or yeah, indoors in March, uh, February, March, or and also prepares people to race outdoor in May, June, July. Um, that's probably the most common time to go. But there, it's pretty similar weather all year there. It's, it's very close to the equator. It's uh, quite high up, obviously. It ends at 2,400 meters altitude in feet. That's 7,000 something. And yeah, I don't think that there is necessarily a better time to go because from memory, I was there one time during a period that was supposed to be rainy period, rainy period wet season, and it wasn't that bad really at all. It rained a few times, but it wasn't anything that you know really got in the way. So if you want to... Be there at a time when there's a lot of Westerners around, December, January for sure. But if you don't care about that, then there probably isn't necessarily a good or a bad time. I think hotels have their prices up around that time because they know it's a popular time to go. But other than that, it doesn't really make a difference. How much should I budget for? That's a good question that we've had a few times. 
I think that if you have uh, accommodation at the High Altitude Training Center or a guest house that has all meals included, and I believe that Ketio View is the same, I think it has all meals included, I could be wrong, you won't need much money at all um, because, I mean, it really depends on the individual. Some people like to go out and buy souvenirs and so on, but if you don't really want to, if you don't need to go shopping at all, you really don't need much money at all. Uh, I would say five or 10 US dollars a day is almost more than enough, honestly. Like, I mean, personally, I don't really buy clothes or, you know, go shopping or anything like that. So just having a few dollars every day for either a motorbike ride down the road and a quick snack if you feel like it, or if you want to buy some additional fruit that may not be available at the place you're staying, that's all I really needed money for. The only other thing that you might need money for if you want it is phone credit, data on a SIM card. I, unless you're using your own SIM card from home, you might want to purchase a local prepaid SIM card. I've done that both times and it's worked very well. Uh, Cost-wise, might not be relevant to say now because it always changes, but the SIM card itself for me when I was there in 2017 was $5 for the SIM card and then I think two gigabytes of data, which is more or less enough for a week or two if you're doing normal usage, you know, messaging on WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, normal Facebook usage, occasional YouTube. That cost about 10 US dollars, so pretty standard. And the reception was surprisingly good, even in Captagat and in 10, like it was very good. So that's if you want to have uh, data or calls. Uh, I didn't get calls because I basically use data for everything through WhatsApp and email. Um, I don't know how much the calls were, but uh, yeah, that's that's definitely the way to do it. And the company is called Safaricom. I don't think that there are any other major companies. That's the main one. But that works very well, and I def definitely recommend doing it. If you're staying in a guest house, it's highly likely that you will not have Wi-Fi. In fact, I'm sh almost sure of it. They might be the um, one-off that has it, but High Altitude Training Center does, as I said earlier, and as does Ketio View, but other than that, it's uh, most cafes will look at you funny if you ask if they have Wi-Fi. <laughs> it's not really a, a thing there just yet. Uh, yeah, so that answers the question, what should I budget for? It really depends on the individual, but if you're wanting to go there and train, relax, not eat much else other than the food at your accommodation, and you just want some phone credit, and you just want the occasional snack, I would say 5 to 10 US dollars a day. Next question is, what's the food like there? I like the Kenyan food. Some people don't, but most people that I've spoken to have quite enjoyed it. It's very much based, it's, it's uh, mostly vegetables. Ugali uh, is quite nice, I think. It's very bland. I don't know how to answer this question very well because <laughs> it's very individual. But um, yeah, I mean, it's cabbage, beans, ugali, uh, rice, uh, sometimes uh, meat, but it's not too common because it's quite expensive for them to produce. But um, I quite liked it. Uh, I'm going to struggle with that question because um, it, I think it really depends if you like vegetables or not, to be to be honest. If you, if you don't, then it might be a little bit hard for you in Kenya, but um, yeah, I quite liked it. Is it hard to combine it with a safari? That's a good question. I did one day trip safari when I was in Captagat and... It was good. It was very good. Uh, I'm mind blanking the ah, Nakuru National Park is where we went, and that's about three and a half hours drive from Captagat. It would be a similar distance from Iten and Eldoret, three to three and a half hours. There's a number of different companies and locals that do it, um, and the whole day trip will cost you 
Uh, it really depends on how you do it, but probably two to three hundred dollars, including the entry to the park. When I went to Nakuru, we saw a leopard, just one, lots of elephants, lots of giraffes, lots of baboons, zebras, etc. It was pretty cool. I, I definitely recommend doing it if you have the time and you want to take a day off and, and do that. It is a whole day trip though, because it does, as I said, take a little while to get there and back. There are There is a closer uh, national park, but from my research, it's not very good and it's pretty rare that you see any of those animals I mentioned. So um, that... Uh, might not be worth doing, but Nakuru is, is quite good. The last question for this episode, is it true that Itena area is very hilly and hard to train in? <laughs> yes, it is hard to train in. It is very hilly. But saying that, it's not ridiculously, like it's not, it's not very steep, the hill, like the hills around. It's just, it's true that there's not many flat areas, but they're all sort of short, hills, short, sharp hills all around the place. Very rarely will you find a hill that you climb for a minute or more. It's just more like up for, you know, 100 or 150 meters and, and down from 100 meters, up for 150, down for 200. It's, it, it's, it's actually quite hard to find a long hill. So yeah, it is hard to train there for sure. But I think that's a big pro in Iten is that there's no way out. There's no way to run. To run to run very easily and I think that um, adding to the altitude effect that's something that a lot of very you know a lot of athletes find very beneficial the fact that there's just so much opportunity for strength training there and um, yeah so I hope I answered the question but it is definitely hilly but it's not like you're going up and down crazy steep hills all the time cool I've answered all the questions in under half an hour which is uh, good but in summary I Definitely recommend going to Kenya to train at some point if you're an avid runner. It is definitely an experience that you will uh, always remember. It is fascinating to see the running culture in, especially in a ten, but also Captagat and even Eldoret. There's a few runners uh, running groups around there as well, and it's just amazing to be a part of it. Um, it's a very very different culture to most of the um, European countries. It's far more laid back in terms of structuring a training specific uh, types of training. They don't measure much in terms of, you know, heart rate, lactate, you know, all, all that sort of science stuff. They, there's very little of that going on and it's quite eye-opening to, to, to see that, that they are so laid back in many ways about their training. I mean, even David Radish's group, I'm going to do another episode. Um, you'll find that in um, probably episode three or four, I'll, I'll do one more about Radisha's, uh, the Radisha experience uh, in 2017, but even their group is super relaxed. Like the recovery times between their repetitions are not measured really, as long as they're not more than sort of four or five minutes. And it's yeah, it's 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 very interesting. So I highly recommend anyone to go. As I said earlier on in this podcast, we can help people with uh, accommodation in a guest house. If you want to stay in high altitude training center or carry a view, I recommend contacting them directly. And we are going to also do, um, I hope at this stage, it's looking positive that we're going to do two training uh, tours to Kenya a year. So we're doing our first one in a couple of weeks in the end of February, 2018. And then because we had enough people join this one, we plan to do one every six months. So if you're also interested in that, it's a little bit more expensive, but it's a guided tour taken by us. So we actually arrange a whole lot of activities you know, throughout a, a two-week um, timeline and 
that includes accommodation, includes it includes basically absolutely everything, uh, including uh, meetups with elite athletes. Um, so it's a very inclusive trip. And if you're interested in that idea, also contact us through Facebook Messenger and we will advise you when we open up the next tour. Thanks very much for listening. I hope this has been of help for people interested in training in Kenya. If you have any other questions, feel free to send us a message and we'll try to reply. We do get a lot of messages on Facebook and we miss a few sometimes, but we do get back to as many people as we can. And keep your eyes open for the next few episodes, which will be more um, specific to elite athlete training. So we're going to be releasing one conversation that we had with Julian Wonders who is one of the most promising European um, distance runners at the moment. He's uh, 21, and uh, by the time that the episode comes out, he may have lowered his best, but he's run 61 for half marathon. He's racing Barcelona half in two weeks, so he, he may have improved that by then. He's training very well, but um, there will also be a few episodes focused on some of the experiences Elia Kipchoge and David Rudish is training from uh, myself. So stay tuned, and thanks for listening.